Hi, I'm Yoni Schlossel. I'm Ellie Shava-Hiller. And we're really excited to bring you our second conversation with Rebitz and Fagy Tversky, kind of really building on some of the ideas that we had in that first conversation about being kinder and gentler to ourselves and really pulling that to the next level. What were some things that really struck you, Elisheva? I had a really great takeaway from this um, from this discussion. The one thing that Rebitson said that stuck with me from last time, and then she repeated it, is the importance of compliments and for ourselves and for others. And I thought like a really fun takeaway would be creating some sort of like checklist almost for the day. Like, did I get my 10 compliments in to my kids, to myself? Um, even like Weight Watchers used to have a bracelet with a little bead that you could move around to calculate how many calories. So I was thinking about getting really practical and creating like a compliment bracelet. But just really remembering how important it is to make yourself feel good, to make others feel good, to remember that we're all in this journey called life together. I think that was a big theme this time. Um, and that yeah, I really like that idea. I feel like I got a lot of that sense of like it starts from my relationship to myself mm-hmm. and that having that ability to look for the good in myself empowers me to be able to do that and bring that place to others. And I think that it really, I just love how she separated that, that we think sometimes it's from to be critical of ourselves. Yeah. And that that her telling us that that's not from is really was kind of mind blowing for me a little bit. Ribbon Shalom is cheering us on was kind of my takeaway mm-hmm. that he wants to see us succeed. And he gives us another thing that you'll hear now is she talks about our suitcase that Hashem packed our suitcase for us. And um, I think it's just so important to just stop, especially like when the negative train of thoughts come and just label it Eitzahara. And um, there's a lot of good advice from the Rebbitzin, how to get back into a positive or a, a building mode. Yeah, and I think that that piece of like looking at all the pieces that are in our suitcase that Hashem gave us, both she talked about like finding our talents and really seeing them as a pathway to serving Hashem and recognizing that we have our challenge areas and how special she said, she talked about how each time that we make a little bit of progress on those challenge areas, like that Hashem doesn't expect us to succeed in them and to solve them, but to like every little success that we have is really a tremendous simcha and shemayim. So I think that this whole talk really just added a lot of depth mm-hmm. to what we had talked before. Another reason I think the Rebbitzin can say these and we can hear that is that when you meet the Rebbitzin, like when we walk in, she was waiting at the door for us. She gives us a beautiful smile. She asks us how we are. She asks us how our family is. Like the Rebbitzin just exudes this kind of love and you just you can hear from her and I hope that those you know listening can hear in her voice I mean the love that she sends out at the end of the bracha you know at the end when you asked her for a bracha um is just so encouraging for all of us our tefillah is that in learning this Hashem should open that up for all of us as well so I hope you enjoy this talk this conversation should be a schuss for a foshalema for Chaim Yaakov ben Miriam, Menachem Mendel ben Tavaralea, and all the Cholim and Klayuso. Okay, so Rebetzin, first of all, I want to thank you so much. The ladies really, really appreciated the message, especially the energy of the Rebetzin as they're feeling depleted and feeling that um, post-yantif and everyone is trying their best, but also feeling overwhelmed. So I think that what they really heard from the Rebetzin was a place of 
you know, appreciation for who you are and taking that next little step and, you know, kind of being okay with what is and finding the positive. And I think those were really, really important messages. So first of all, is there anything else that you want to add to what we discussed last week? I'm sure there are a lot of things we could talk about. Um, you know, of, of course, uh, the major, I think I, I, we did make that point last time, but I think the major thing is um, giving ourselves credit for what we are already doing because everybody is doing so, so much. And instead of looking at the things that we uh, haven't gotten to or things we haven't achieved, to just look at ourselves and, you know, at the end of every day and give and, and just say, I did good. I did good. You know, I, whatever it is, I called somebody today on the phone. I reached out. I, I took a walk and I enjoyed the flow of Sabore. You know, I I uh, I was nice to my husband, even though he frustrates me and whatever it is. All those little, they seem like inconsequential things because we're always looking for, you know, huge things in our life. But those are, those are the huge things. So I think if we do that and, and just look at ourselves, you know, extend, we know that um, we're supposed to extend charity to others. But being charitable to ourselves is really where it all begins. If we can be charitable to ourselves, we can be charitable to others. If, we, if we're hard on ourselves, the likelihood is that we're going to be hard on others. So I think that where, where we begin is, is extending charity uh, to ourselves. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about in the way in judgment, not judging ourselves harshly, giving ourselves credit. So I think that that would go a, a long way, and especially now in Sphere's Omer, where we're looking to, to move towards Shavuos, the Kabbalah Satora, and, um, and to be intact human beings when we get to Kabbalah Satora. So I think being intact human beings means that we're, we're okay with ourselves. That doesn't mean we don't want to grow more, and, but, but not, not to be obsessive about it and, and not to look at ourselves as deficient. Growing more is because as human beings, um, we're supposed to be uh, growing. You know, we say to, uh, we say to a person when we take leave of them, we say leich l'shalom. We say go towards peace, but really shalom means another has another meaning, with, which means shleimus. Go to your shleimus, to your completion. It's only a dead body when we take leave of a person who died that we say leich b'shalom, because then the person has no opportunity any longer to grow, because that's it. What what they have done is is finished. But for a human being who who's alive and being, uh, breathing, we say like Lishalom, You know, every moment is an opportunity, and we we need we need to use all those opportunities to move towards our shleimus, to uh, move towards that for which the Rebbeinu Shalom sent us, uh, each one of us in, in our own with our own unique mission to accomplish in this world. So I think that we begin with. Uh, we have a lot more energy when we give ourselves credit and we look kindly at ourselves. We're able to do that rather than if we're hard. People assume that if we're critical of ourselves, hard on ourselves, again, that that's being from. 
that's not being true. That's uh, really um, missing the point because we deplete our energy. We'd have more energy if we walk around saying to ourselves, you know, you did good. You did good, even if it's some small thing, you know. I called somebody the other day. I was enjoying a safer that they wrote. And and this is a very prominent individual. And I, and I called him and, and I said to him, you know, um, I'm really enjoying your safer. He was... He couldn't believe he was waiting for what I really wanted from him. You know, he said, what's the punchline? I said, no, I really, I really enjoyed it. He says, that is so nice. You know, I don't get too many calls like that. And, you know, uh, our grandson, who was here, Yitzhak Meyer, was telling me that he saw that this Fasema says that in, in this um, last week's parsha, Tazriya Mitzora, so we talk about the person who is afflicted with what people assume is leprosy. It wasn't leprosy, but whatever it was, it was an affliction. And so he said that Fasema says that if it's, if it's not so ras, the message to the point to the person is, no, it's not so ras. It's not that you've spoken ill of the person. It's not that you've um, been involved in rechidlis and gossiping and, uh, and, and telling tales, going from person to person and making trouble. But there is one uh, deficiency here. And that is, though you're not guilty of that, you are guilty of not giving people compliments. Mm-hmm. You didn't speak Lashon Hara, but when there's an opportunity to say something nice to another person, and you miss that opportunity, you don't take advantage of that, that that brings the Kohen in and says, no, you don't have to go out of camp, you don't have to do this whole thing, but be aware that there is a value in looking at another person and saying, hey, you know you did it, that, that was nice, nice thing you did. So there was a there was a warning or a attention to detail in the almost saras. That's like right. That, I mean, that's it right. was a direct it, message from Hashem. It was a direct message. By the way, buddy. Yeah, that there's something else. Now, it's not just you know uh, it's not a transgression only to say lashnahar, but you know, and it's not of that nature certainly. But when you have an opportunity to be nice to another person, to say something that uplifts them. And, uh, you know, whether it's uh, immediate family or whoever it might be, then we, we need to be aware of that and, and use that opportunity. Those are things that are so doable. It's, it could be our husband, it could be our children, it could be our friends, whoever. There are always so many opportunities to do that. So it's interesting because the Rebbitson, the part that I heard that was so interesting to me is Rebbitson says that that really comes from when I do it to myself first. Right. Then, so it's, is that like the That's like, very good. That's right. That you love you love your friend as yourself, and all the mafarshim say, um, you're not going to love anybody else unless you can love yourself. Mm-hmm. First, you have to be able to love yourself. I think who was it that uh, uh, the father of uh, self, Brandon, who wrote the books on on self esteem, he said that the love first. The love, first love affair you're supposed to have in life is with yourself. Mm-hmm. But then you can go on to love others if you, if you find the good in yourself. And for a lot of people, it's very, very difficult. They're, they're used to, to being critical. And, um, and some, again, 
misapply that, uh, the idea of being critical, to meaning that I'm being very firm. Mm -hmm. And it's not very firm at all. It's interesting. I think Rav Noah Weinberg said that love is the pleasure that we get from seeing someone else's virtues. And so as the Rebbetzin's talking, I'm thinking that a lot of reasons that we struggle with loving ourselves sometimes is that we don't, we think that we're being from by not seeing our virtues and I right. should be better than I am. But what the Rebbetzin is saying is that we're meant to engender that self-love and then from that place of self-love, we will naturally sort of overflow and be able to give compliments to other people um, by not, by, by really appreciating our values and, and, and really being good with ourselves. Exactly, that's right. And we have every reason to... Even at a very basic level, when I say, but I did this, I did that, I did something else. But I am Hashem's child. And being Hashem's child, like in this week's parsha, Kedoshim Atiyu, Kikadoshani, be holy because I'm holy. What's the, what's the connection? Just because Hashem is holy, we ask to be holy? Like, uh, yeah, we know Hashem is holy. What has it got to do with me? So all the Mepharshim say, um, of course, if Hashem is holy, I'm supposed to be holy because I am his child. I'm created in his image. And if I'm created in the image of Hashem, I, I am already holy. You know, that's, uh, that holiness inheres within me. We just have to touch, acknowledge it and touch base with it. But that, that's what it means, being created in, in the image of God. Obviously, it's not a physical thing. It's the fact that we have, we have the ability, we have that greatness within us, and the the ability to manifest that that greatness, and it's already there. All we have to do is acknowledge it. It's interesting. I think Rebetzin Tukhachinsky once pointed out something that I thought was very interesting: is that when I like, I think the Rebetzin's pointing that when I notice the good in myself, then I have more energy. And when I feel good is when I'm more likely to do better and take on better. And she pointed out that a lot of times, you know, like I think that I have to push myself down in order to do better, but then I feel small. And then in that place, that's when, you know, I don't know, I want to head to bed and, and, and have some ice cream. And like, I, wanna, I don't want to think about other people. Right. So the Robinson's pointing that when we give ourselves that ability to appreciate ourselves and, and have that energy the natural outgrowth is going to be wanting to be there more for our families and enjoy our families and give to them and, and love, which I think is is important because I think that there is that mix-up in terms of exactly. what looks from. Exactly. And some the other thing that stands in our way is that we do this terrible thing of comparisons. Mm-hmm. That we we of of course I'm I'm not such a I'm not such a good human. Look at look at the shingle down the block. Shandle is, is able to have a, a spotless house. Her kids always look perfect, and she's, you know, and and she's head of every committee, and she's and she's brilliant, and on and on and on. And and look at me. By comparison, you know, I, I don't. I'm not looking too good, and and that's the worst thing we can do to ourselves because what in the we, world of um, Mishpacha and Ami and all these great magazines, like we see each person's sparkling characteristic and then well, sparkling, sparkling mm-hmm. like characteristic, like the one thing they shine at mm-hmm. and we see it in full brightness. Right. And then we feel like we should have every one of those qualities. Uh-huh. Of- like it's not just shandles, it's like a hundred shandles. A hundred shandles. A hundred shandles, right. No, because we, we have to recognize that Hashem 
gave each one of us our tafkid. We each have our own our own mission in life, the things we're supposed to do. Hashem created a kemosha pasafayim shonos kendarasem shonos. Each one of us just is, translate that reference. Yeah, just like our, you don't see two people who look exactly alike, even though there are trillions of people in the world. So too is their internal makeup not alike. So the Rambam specifically created us differently because. He needs my input. He needs your input. He needs, he needs Yoni's input. He needs Alishaba's input. He needs each one of our input, and we're not, and we're not the same. And it, it's a um, disservice when we compare ourselves uh, to anybody else. We just have to see and say to ourselves, you know, I'm really, I'm really okay, and I shine in my own way. I have my own light. And I have to uh, uh, find out what that light is if I haven't discovered it yet. And I have to really work with the light that's my own, not the, that somebody else's. Because it's irrelevant. And we always come up short if we're going to do comparisons. Because there's always going to be somebody who's going to be prettier and somebody who's going to be smarter and somebody, in our opinion, anyways. So we, we have to look for our own light and, and shine in our own way. And everybody has that light. What is that process like? Meaning, how do I look for my light and figure out how to shine it? Especially because it is so easy to focus on what everybody else can do. Yeah. I think that one of those forums say that I can see, I have to look at that which I'm, um, well, I think we spoke about it a little bit last time. Um, the, my That which my talents, that which I'm, I have a... Uh, a special proclivity for. Mm-hmm. So somebody is is very good in art. Somebody's very good in music. Somebody's you know uh, very good in, in helping others and, and giving counsel. Somebody's very good in teaching. Somebody identify those things and know that those things are not arbitrary. Mm-hmm. They they just didn't. They're not by accident that I have those things. That that's meant for me to develop. So if I find that I really, really love teaching, so then I should, I should teach more. Of course, we have to juggle so many things to do it, but to whatever extent we can, teach. If you enjoy giving people counsel, then be there for your friends and, and give them counsel. Whatever it is, art. Art helps people so hugely where they can express themselves in ways that isn't threatening. It's such a it, it's such a tova to um, to extend that ability to others and singing, singing lifts our spirit so much. If somebody is able to do that, so find find out what it is that we're best on doing. Of course, the other thing they say also, and then find out are the pitfalls in our being. Everybody has those also. So am I inclined to? I'm inclined to, do I enjoy um, delivering gossip or talking about others? Then I, I have to kind of say to myself, you know, maybe I can rein that in a little bit. And as far as I say, interestingly enough, every time that I really feel like saying something negative about a person and I hold back, that it's so huge by the Rabbani Shalom. Hmm. If I'm almost, it's at the tip of my tongue, and I'll feel so good <laughs> if I'm going to say, especially somebody who has hurt me, or who, and then I say to myself, you know what, what, what am I going to get out of this? 
it's not going to solve the situation. And, uh, and I'm not going to feel great about it once I say it. And, and we hold back. It's huge, huge, huge. So, uh, I, and that could happen. I mean, we won't always be successful. But every time we're successful with that, it's, it's absolutely huge. It's interesting because I think Revitson's pointing to two important pieces. One is that whatever gifts we have, and I remember right. one time like kind of being like, you know, some people are really into makeup. and then But then when they make a kala look beautiful on her wedding day, like it's such a mitzvah and it's so beautiful and something that I have zero skill in. So I can so appreciate that even if it doesn't necessarily seem spiritual, there right. could be something that Hashem gave them. Right. As That's such an excellent point because I remember Bathsheba, uh, has a you know a wig salon and and she's always excellent at at uh, you know makeup and uh, and then at one point when she was doing this I think when she was nursing and she said ma you know I don't do anything really significant in my life you know some of my sisters are major teachers and major this and then she listed all the things and, and I just do shaitlach for people. I said, the Bathsheba, how can you say that? You know how many people, which I have, I've met so many people who tell me that they they come in looking like the cat dragged them in. <laughs> and she does their shaitle, and then they look in the mirror, and they get such a lift. And like you said, you know, something like that gives them energy to, to go out there and to do things when you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. Or when she makes somebody up. And like you say, a collar, but even a, anybody. And they look, they look at themselves and, and it gives them a one. I said, Bashara, this is such a wonderful chasad, such a wonderful thing that you're not only that, but then you haven't, she had an opportunity. People told me that they sat down in the chair in her mm-hmm. salon. They immediately relaxed. And then they were able to unload, like they say, your hairdresser knows the truth or whatever, only your <laughs> yeah. hairdresser knows. Well, they uh-huh. unloaded everything, and she has a real seichel hayasher, yeah. and she's extremely, extremely compassionate. And she was able to talk the person through. So many people told me, you don't know, Bashava saved my life. I had an opportunity to talk to her. So I said to us, don't knock what you do. And everything that we do, is a, there's an opportunity to be mechaya another human being, to, to, uh, to energize another person. What's so, interesting, also one of the ideas, I remember when I learned this idea from Rabbi Niven, I think I saw that like, even like when you walk into a room and you see a kala, like just someone being excited about the thing that they're excited about affects us and it impacts us. So it might not even be that someone can necessarily say, my talent is X and I'm going to, like, maybe they're doing a nice art piece, but it's not necessarily, like, helping Claudia so, but when they're doing that and they're in that positive place and they're using their talents that Hashem gave them, then I feel like it just affects the people around them because they're besimcha and people, you know, we all just, when you walk into a room and you feel people's energies and it, you know, we just, it uplifts people, even just by doing my own personal thing. Maybe someone's thing is just to be nice to their kids, but they, mm-hmm. it just uplifts them That's and then true. they can kind of, it doesn't necessarily have to be a big, you know, I think we live in a world also where we look at, you know, bone olam and this mm-hmm. couple changed the world and high lifeline and, right. You know, and we feel like, uh, I don't know, I'm just doing my little right. thing. In, you know, in... and nobody is documenting our achievements. And we don't see ourselves in print or such. This rabbi, I love what this rabbi Olawik, not Olawik, Arlovsky. Yes. And he's, he's a riot. He's a great uh, teacher in art as well. And he once, um, he once spoke and he said, you know, it's, He's, he's very funny. He said, it's so ridiculous. You know, you, you go to a chasana, your child's chasana, and 
you get this gorgeous gown and you have yourself made up and um, and then you take pictures and you take the picture from the simcha and you hang it on the wall and then he says and you know you walk by this picture you look at the picture and you look at them in the mirror <laughs> and the two don't resemble each other <laughs> so he says so what's the point he was actually talking about the Sarasim nature at the time mm-hmm. he says the point is that when I walk by that picture I, even though I don't look like that at the moment when I'm in the kitchen and such I look at that picture and I say you know if I really want to I can look like that I can look like that again Mm. So it gives me such chizik to know that I can lose. So there is a point, you know. So even to raising the bar. What? Yeah, you're right. Raising the bar. Raising the bar. Right, like when we get all dressed up for chasna and we feel oh, gorgeous. Right. That's right. And then we kind of put that up and we're like, that is yeah, the real me in a certain sense, even if I don't right. feel like. It reminds me of what the Rebbe said yeah. about our neshama and being a chelak aloka mimal and like the kadoshim, like that. There's like I am, you know, like I can hold on to that image even if. Maybe today I'm grumpy and crabby, but right. the picture on the wall is my, I'm, I, that's who I am. I, right. like, I can identify myself as this. A very similar I, right. idea I once heard was to look at a picture of yourself as a child mm. because Hashem doesn't, you know, we look at any child and we just think they're gorgeous and right. beautiful, poo poo poo. But if we look back at ourselves as a child, it gives us a lot more compassion for the grown up that we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, Returns that idea of just that we are a chaylaka Yeah. That's it. We have that chaylaka And we also have this compassion from the Rabbanishalam that since I was that child, what I've gone through in the interim mm. and what I've suffered through and all the challenges of my life. And, um, and here I am. I'm standing on both my feet and, and I'm still looking. Um, to to become the person that Rabbanu Shalom intended for me to go, to become, despite all the difficulties that I've had along the way, and and you know that's that's a big schus for us. It we have to give ourselves. You know, somebody said, empathy is when I feel along with somebody or with myself. Compassion is when I do something about it. That that's the difference in those two words. Empathy, I can listen to somebody's stars and I can be empathic and yes, yes, yes. Uh, compassion is when I hang up the phone and I say, you know what, maybe I should send them over a kugel for Shabbos mm. when I do something about it. So, um, so you know, the Rosh Shalom has given everybody, you know, their difficulties in life and... Um, and when we look at the, you say, in the picture of us a, as a child, and we think of all the aspirations and the dreams and everything that we had, and, and then we say to ourselves, you know, what happened to all those dreams? But now as an adult, you know, where are they? And um, and first, the first thing we have to say is, look, the fact that I lived through what I did live through, mm. and I didn't lose my faith, and um, and there were moments. Everybody has their moments when they're questioning or they wonder, uh, you know, why why they're here, and um, and why Hashem would give them such difficulties. You know, everybody goes through those moments. But at the end of the day, here we are, and we're trying our best. 
and and it's it's Dafka because of the difficulties that we've had that it's so amazing the things that we do on a daily basis the small things that we do that we wake up in the morning and we say modani we say thank you Hashem uh, thank you that I've uh, I woke up today and moda also means acknowledge hodaa. So it's not only I say moda, I thank you, but I also say uh, I'm moda. I'm, I acknowledge the fact that everything is from you, Rabbi Shalom. You know, like uh, somebody said, that Rabbi Shalom uh, sends all these images, what the day's going to bring onto my canvas. But I'm the one who has to color them in. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, uh, yeah, and I'm the one who will uh, color them in either with bright colors or with dark colors. That's uh, that's up to me. So we, we all have, uh, like my husband says, I love what he says, that um, before we came down to this world, I just mentioned it to somebody today, that we didn't pack our own suitcase. <laughs> if we would have packed our own suitcase, probably what we would have put into that suitcase would have been a lot different than what we actually came down with. So, uh, You're the, saying the tools, the, 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 the tools, and and the, the things that will happen that are, to us, mm-hmm. and who we're going to encounter, and who our parents will be, and who our friends will be, and who, all the things that happen to us in life, it wasn't of our own making. We didn't choose it. The Rebbeinu sent us down with that suitcase. So. I I think that when we and he's uh, not doing it because he's meaning we have to remember when we say that as you're saying that like that Hashem is doing because he knows what's best for me exactly. and my neshama and exactly it's the right suitcase it's the right because that's no a, mistake with the suitcase that we there's even no if, like uh, TSA mix up or anything no no there's no <laughs> we didn't take the wrong suitcase uh, this is what was intended for us because I think um, a lot of women if I were only if I were exactly. only you know stronger or Right. This happened. If, if only. only. You know, I love that thing from Rabbi um, uh, Wolfson. And I repeat it many times. I actually, he's the one I called to tell him thank you. Because he, he said that there was um, a person in in this world who went to a tzaddik and said to the tzaddik, um, you know, what's the point where, um, you know, all of us know we're not here for the first time. We've here been before. We're Gil Gulen. So after 120 years, we come up uh, to the Kisayakovo, to the heavenly throne. And and they say to us, you know, you were supposed to do A, B, C, and D, and you didn't fulfill your whole mission. You got to go back. You got to go back. And none of the neshamas, our souls, don't want to come back to this world. They want to be close to their source. They want to be close to the Almighty. And no, you got to go back. You got to finish your mission. So we come back, and we don't know. It's not a conscious thing that we know what we're supposed to finish. So we come back, and, and, and again, not knowing, we don't fulfill what it was we're supposed to do. So we've got to go back again. And we come before Kiseko, and they say, you haven't finished. So you got to go back again. So he said, ain't let of herself. There's no end to this process. What's going to be? And the, um, the tzaddik said, very good question. I really don't have an answer. I will have to um, send you to a malach. Uh, so he sends him to a malach, not the top malach, but, uh, you know, so he, the malach, he asked the malach the question, malach says, I, I really don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I have to send you to my superior. And he sends him to the superior, and the superior says, excellent question. I really don't know. 
So you so you know finally comes to a point where they all say they don't know, and they say you have to go straight to the Rabbeinu Shalom. You have to go to the Almighty and ask him the question. Come before the Almighty, and the Almighty, uh, and we say, what what do you want from us, Rabbeinu? What do you want? Over and over again, we go through this. So the Rabbeinu Shalom said, I want only one thing for my children. I want them to have a munam betochen. I want them to have faith and trust. Faith and trust. Like that's only, only have faith and trust. That's not only. That's very, very difficult under many circumstances. What does faith and trust mean? So the Ranam Shalom said, you know what the definition of faith and trust is? That you take one word out of your vocabulary. The one word in Yiddish, it's volt, but it's what you said. If only... Um. And they would say when you look at, at at your life and you say, if only, if I only I would have been rich, if only I would have been smarter, if only I would have had a different husband, if only I would have had different kids, if only my parents would have been more loving, if only, if only, if only, an endless list of alone. Take that out of your vocabulary, and that's a definition of a munah betachem. To know not that there's no if only, because if only isn't relevant to us. We have. Like I said, Hashem packed our suitcase. We have what we were meant to have. And if only doesn't apply to us. And we waste a lot of energy thinking, if only, if, if only, uh, uh, you know, I would have gone to a different school. If only I would have had different teachers. If only, if only. So the, we all do this to ourselves. So when we stop ourselves in our tracks and we say, you know what? This was meant to be. Rabbi Shalom packed our suitcase. And if only, doesn't make any sense. Another then, thing um, Rebetzin talks about, there's the if only and also when. When I get married, when I have children, uh, yeah, when my children are potty, you know. That's a very good point. When, when. And I think Rebetzin has a part, I've heard, of um, Moshe Rebetzin who's standing by the sneh, by the burning bush, Hamako Masher Atta Omid. Yeah, that's right. That's very good. Yeah, that, you could say. You say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the British that right. I, I, yeah, that's, that's right. That's exactly one of the places. Yeah, Kadoshu. Like, you're right. We always say, uh, when, like you said, when I get married, when my uh, ship comes in, and I'll make a million. When when my children uh, get married, I'll I'll finally breathe. When uh, after the bar mitzvah and after, um, you know, we do this thing of. When and when the Moshe Rabbeinu was at at the Snan, he saw that burning bush, and uh, the conversation that he had, and Hashem told him basically that the bottom line is, the Makom Shato made wherever you're standing, that's holy ground. That's where we have to. That it's from there that we have to move on, and we can't wait around for for the uh, a better time for things. <laughs> the classic, and I repeat this over and over again, is a friend of ours that got married the same time we did. And um, and she uh, she got pregnant, she was expecting, and she said to us, I certainly hope this is not going to be a boy because I don't have koyuch for a summer bar mitzvah. <laughs> And, and this is, it oh sounds God. funny, but we do, we do variations on the same theme. 
I, I, I know now already that I don't have Kayach for what's coming up. And I, I know I have some of my kids who tell me, I don't know, I don't, I really, I, I can't stand the thought of another Pesach, you know, like Pesach is coming up, we just finished with Pesach. But now again, going through that, I, I just hope that I don't have the energy. So you're right, we do this number of when. So we have to, we have to live in the moment. Living in the moment is, is so critical. And, so, and the Torah is full of that. It's Hayom Hazer. Hayom Hazer, Hayom Hazer, over and over again on this day. Uh, you know, we, we can't postpone, you know, postpone what needs to be done and, you know, for, for some future date or to be happy some future date. Now, now life is beautiful. Life is glorious despite all the difficulties. So um, that's what we have to, we have to focus on that, that you're right. Hayomaza not to postpone It says, um, how does it say, Kadoshim? Anshe Kadosh to you. You should be pe- holy people. And the Mepharshim say, not Malachi Kodesh. Mm. I don't, I'm not looking for Malachim. I have enough Malachim up here. I'm looking for human beings. Human beings who, um, like Mishlei says, Shavayipot Tzadik Vikam. People who fall seven, the tzaddik is the one who falls seven times but manages to get up. That's the big thing. It reminds me of like when a baby learns to walk and we laugh when they fall down because it's so cute, right? So like, <laughs> can we imagine Hashem laughing at us? Because it's very good. Part of the, like cheering us on and, and right. like saying that you're getting there, you know? Like, yeah, you took another step. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> Right, like, like the, we often focus in those moments. Like, I think, I think the baby is a great analogy, also because for Hashem, my grandson, starting to walk. But, yeah, you know, yeah. and, like, you see yeah. that, like, as part of that process, like, yeah, like, we recognize that if they don't have room to fall, they're never going to be able to walk. So, like, right. you right. cheer when they fall down. Like, you put an effort and you tried. And I think that that's, that's a really... Right. That another that part of... falling, like... And Oopsie. another part of that is also when you see that we're trying to teach our little ones to walk and to encourage them. So they're coming, come on, come on, come on, take another step. Take another. Every time they take another step, we move back mm. because uh. we want them to take yet another step. Mm. And they say that this analogy to Rabbi Shalom, that sometimes, you know, he, he's urging us on to walk, to become who we can become. And and just as when we we think we're getting someplace, the rebellion moves out of sight, so to speak, in our opinion. Like, where are you? I've had that in life where you just feel like you're drowning. Uh, right. It's like it's like he's taken the step so far back that you just feel. That's right. That where is he? Where is he? Where is he? What happened to him? How I thought he was me? supposed to support me. Right. Where are you? So my brother-in-law once said, you know, when Avram Avinu and Yitzchak went for the Akedah, so it says, Bayaris HaMokom Meirachok, that he saw, Avraham saw the place from very far away. This Mount Maria, where the greatest epic event in, in our history, and the way, you know, we were forged the, uh, as a nation of Mesiris Nefesh, of self-sacrifice. He looked, and while this place was so far away, and, yeah, and Avraham was saying, how am I ever going to get there? You know, it, it's so distant from me. And we find ourselves so often in that place, like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what you want from me, Rabbi Shalom. You know, I can't. And and so, so many, all of us have been, uh, if we look through Sefer Tulum, if anybody gets discouraged, 
just have to open the book of Psalms, Sefer Tillam, and just look at the cries of David HaMalach, King David, who was a king of Israel, who was, you know, then wrote this fantastic uh, book of Psalms, and that's, you know, if anything, especially women have a special connection to Tillamlach. And most of, like my grandmothers, their Tillamlach were drenched with tears mm-hmm. from over the years. You mm-hmm. can barely look at the writing. And mostly, it, what does David HaMalach say? At Hashem. Until when will you forsake me? Will you continue forsaking me? You know, when am I going to feel your presence? When, am, when are you going to save me from my internal and external enemies? Yeah, Moshe Weinberger, I think, said on that Pasuk, Vayaris HaMakam Meirachov, that Adam Avinu, who, like, knew Hashem since he was three, like, he had found Hashem, and in that moment, Hashem wasn't clear to him. And, like, he's like, what does that mean? Like, where are you, Hashem? Like, I know you, and now I don't see you. And I think that that gives us a lot of chizuk, because I think there are many times that we're like, I have a relationship with Hashem, and now I don't, I can't see him, I can't feel him, I I, I don't, actually, I think it's important also just from, like, a, psychology point of view of, yeah, yeah when um when you do feel that longing to think back to our avos and to know that that's not a lack within yourself but that's hashem's way of acting in this world that if avraham did it right. so can i right so can i like if avraham went through that feeling of feeling feeling lost or feeling despondent Right, but it's not. Um, it's, it's wrong with me. It's, it's not wrong with me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's we all go through it. It's the human. It's the human condition. It's it's what a life, You know, the flow and ebb of a life. You know, there there are moments where we feel we're on top of the mountain. Other times when we we feel we can't take another step. It's just life is so burdensome and so overwhelming. And everybody's been there at some point in their life, and um, and it's I think it's it's great encouragement to know, like you said, that all of our avos and all the greats before us, and if you uh, look at this firm that Sadiqim have written, they all talk about that. And one of the, the big disservices that our biographies that are written today do mm-hmm. about the you know uh, good people that they write about is that they make them sound like these impeccably perfect people. Mm-hmm. And it becomes so irrelevant to us. You know, it's true they had everything they write about, we imagine, but they never tell you about their struggles, their struggles with the spirituality, their struggles with Ruchnias, their struggles with their children, their struggles with themselves. They, they they don't talk about that, and it 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 makes it so irrelevant to us. And um, you know, my husband always talks about that because his his mother used to put him to sleep with stories of his ancestors. Mm-hmm. So he he said, "How do you think I felt when she told me the story of Ramatala of Harnestaipo? Is because that he was one of the all time great, and she would tell tell me the story about when he was." Ten years old, somebody came in to his father's house, who was a big rabbi, and they said, um, you know, they said she, he wasn't home. The Rebbitson said he was at home. And um, only my little son is home. He says, well, I need a Yeshua. My wife is in labor. She's been laboring forever, and the baby isn't happening, and she's at great risk. I must have a Yeshua. 
So she directed somebody, not the one, what can I do? They didn't have cell phones in those days or whatever. <laughs> so only my little, my little son is home. So he went over to Ramatha and he said to him, I'm just telling you now, if you can help me, if you can't help me, I have no complaints to you. But if you can help me and you're not helping me, I will never forgive you. Forgive you, not in this world and not in the next. Oh. So Ramatala said to him, okay, come with me to the mikvah. And he, um, he took him to the mikvah and uh, Ramatala immersed, had him immersed and then he immersed himself. And he didn't come up for the longest time. And this chassid thought, oh my gosh, now I've killed the Rebbe's son on top of every, all my other problems. And then he surfaced and he said to him, you know what, go home. Your wife have, has given birth and everything will be okay. So my husband said, my mother's telling me this story. And here I am, I'm way beyond 10 years old. And I have not performed even my first mifus. <laughs> he says, so how, how, how do you think that makes me feel? So it has to be balanced with understanding, you know, that there were some great, great rebbers that were in, um, suffered from depression for a long time, really? you know, until they emerged from depression. Wow. So you don't you don't really get to read about that very much, no. and and it, you don't want to make them sound like every Tom Dick and Harry, which they weren't, but it would be helpful to know that they struggled as well, and and they definitely did struggle. Everybody struggles, and anybody who tells you, I think the closest person to somebody who didn't struggle was my Feta Elia. We always talk about him. He was, he was this unbelievable uh, a Jew who lived in Yerushalayim, in Bata Ungaria. A hole in the wall take, it takes a new definition. Mm. He, was, he lived in a cellar. There was, there was one little window in, in, in the whole place, and the place was crawling with things. And he was married to my aunt, who, who was a, a victim of the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And she became paranoid. She thought that everybody was pursuing her, that the government, she was the most brilliant woman before before the war. She taught in all the Beis Yaakovs, and she headed, she even founded Beis Yaakovs. And now she was reduced to this, Nebuch, a very sick woman. And he, you know, he prepared on one occasion, he got everything, his chassidim, got ready the table with matzahs and with wine, everything else, and she walked in and she slept the tablecloth and everything crashed Smash. to the ground. Ah. He didn't react at all. Gurnish. And he'd walk his face would shine. He was diabetic, he was sick, he was and all he wanted to know when we walked in to see him, and him I really experienced. This is not a story in one of those biographies. He would say, he would say, he loved, loved my husband, my husband of Long He'd say to him, Where's your simcha? Mm. Where is your simcha? What happened to your joy in life? You don't radiate simcha. He says, You know, we did say, Feta Elia, Elia, look at you. You broke your shoulder, you're blind, you can't see. He says, I broke my shoulder? I could have broken a leg and I wouldn't be able to go anywhere. <laughs> and he says, and you know what? He always just say to us, do you know that there are people in the hospital who need to, who a breath, their breath has to be delivered to them through machines? And do you know what? 
the Rubenshlam himself sent me my breath. And his face shone when he said this. He was such an experience. Rabbi Bentil was just talking to me about it the other day. We walked in. He also experienced Feta Alia. He was, he used to walk in the street. He had nothing. Take out a few pennies he had, gave it to anybody who walked by who, who needed a few cents. He gave away. He didn't need anything. My mother, blessed Mary, used to take all my father's clothing when, before they went to Israel and pack them up in a suitcase and take it to Feta Alia. Hmm. I don't think he ever wore any one of them. He he gave it all away, not because he was trying to do active tzedakah. He really, really didn't need it. Wow. He, he was one of those really rare, rare people to live that life with with my aunt and and be able to, to smile. I mean, it was huge. But uh, most of us mortals, uh, you know, we go up and down. We have our good moments. But then we have moments when, uh, when our perception is that life isn't treating us as it should, and and we're hurting, and the hurt is very real. And um, I think in in those times it's a good time to take out the a safer tulum, and pour out our hearts, cry, and, um, and cry cry to the brother We have access to that. We're very fortunate. We don't need intermediaries. We can just talk straight through a bunch of Robinson, can you come with the bracha for all us women? Uh, you are, all you women. have, all of all of you in here, uh, you know, Yoni and Elisheva, these fabulous, fabulous women, and all my community, I'm, a, I'm telling you, there's nobody in the world. It's it's not only my opinion. Whoever comes <laughs> here, my grandson just left. He said, do you know what you have here? Every person that I met is so special. I said, yes, they absolutely are. And I, I love all of you, and you should all have what I wish you. You should all have all of the Banshom's blessings. You should unload on each and every one of you. And we should all be zochot, have good times together, and to greet Moshiach in the very near future, Amen. all together. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi